Welcome to the City Collective Podcast. We believe we are better together and exist to create space for everyone to discover life in Jesus. We hope that you encounter the heart of God and are challenged and inspired in your relationship with Christ. Come and grab your seats. It's great to see you this morning. Uh, if you do have your journals with you, you can go to, I think, page 19. It's got some space for you to take some notes this morning if that's what you want to be doing. Uh, yeah, if this is your first time here, I, I want to introduce myself. My name is Jason. I have the privilege of being the lead pastor here at City Collective. And, and this is our, our fourth birthday, which is a wonderful thing. Uh, it's been a, a wild four years of, of journeying through, like everyone knows, what all that has come in the last couple of years. And we're really just grateful. Uh, that we get the opportunity to be here together, to, to see how God has been faithful through every season and to look expectantly to what he has in the seasons to come. Uh, I, I want you to know that wherever you find yourself on your journey of faith, Christian, non-Christian, atheist, agnostic, not really sure about this whole Jesus thing, that this is a place that we want you to feel welcome in, uh, a space that we feel is worthwhile to, to spend time in and get to know the people in it, but it, we, we more than anything want you to discover a, a God that we believe loves you unconditionally. And so this is a great space to be in and one that we're, we're really glad that you're in this morning. Uh, as a Christian church, we, we believe that the way of Jesus is the ultimate. Uh, we believe that the arrival of Jesus into the world wasn't just to make things slightly better, but it was to, in fact, change everything for, for individuals, for families, for cities and, and in countries, for, for society as a whole. And they've all experienced some, the transformational power of the good news of Jesus. And this is a message that I believe is for everyone. And so we're exploring the gospel according to Matthew. We're, we're taking our time and we're walking through it. Uh, we've, we're, we're in week four of the series and in chapter four in particular. Uh, last week we traversed through the wilderness with Jesus and looked at the temptations that he was confronted with. And this week we're going to pick it up in Matthew chapter four, verse 12. And so you can follow along on the big screen in the sky. It says, when Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he withdrew to Galilee. Leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali, to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah. Land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people living in the darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. And from that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Verse 18, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew, and they were casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. Some versions say fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, and they were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets, and Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. So perhaps this story is a little bit familiar to you. Maybe you heard it in, in Sunday school that Jesus was walking and he says, come follow me, and they drop their nets and they go running after Jesus. Maybe you've never heard it before, but Jesus is calling these fishermen 
to follow him. We're given names, which is wonderful in this story, but as many of the stories we know, I'm sure that this one can be misplaced. Maybe you know the story itself, but you don't know what's happened maybe around it as, as familiarly. Because I would say this one feels a little disjointed where we read it. Because remember, we've come from verse 11. We've just been in the wilderness where Jesus has experienced temptation. And now we've gone to the news of John the Baptist being imprisoned by, by Herod. And then Jesus begins preaching and he calls his first disciple. Everything seems to go at a very rapid, sudden pace. And then he makes this incredibly weighty statement. He says, come follow me. And I wonder, what does, it, what does it really mean to follow someone or something? We're less than two months away from the start of the World Cup 2022 happening in Qatar. And for the first time since the 80s, Canada will be participating. Uh, and if you aren't excited about that, you should be. This is a big deal. This is a, a massive deal that is taking place. This is one of, if not the premier global sporting event that's taking place. People around the world are passionate about their, their soccer, or as it's better known, football. And, and I, I think that I need to give you complete permission that whether you are a sports fan or not, jump on that bandwagon. All right, like it's coming, we're here. And whether you're a soccer fan or not, uh, there's something to like begin to, to, to follow something, to follow a game or a sport or a team. And it requires a little bit of preparation. Even just recently, I think it was just this, this week, Canada played host nation Qatar and won 2-0. There you go, I got your journey started. Like Canada's on the path. I know following something for me and following sports for me in particular is not just a, a side project, it's an all-consuming thing. I, I read the pregame report, I watch the pregame show, I, I pay attention to all the articles that are read, uh, written in lead up to it, I, I watch the game, I stayed in, I stay tuned in during the breaks, I cheer so loudly that my little girl gets upset during the game, true story, it has happened and it probably will happen again, um, it's every aspect of it I'm fully aware of and I'm fully engaged in. When I follow a team, I give everything it seems. So why does this story of these disciples to be these fishermen dropping everything to follow Jesus feel a little odd. Maybe it's just me, but it feels, feels almost irresponsible. Feels almost sudden or irrational. Regardless of what I might feel it's like or what you feel it's like, this was definitely a major turning point in their lives and even in the ministry of Jesus. Because for them... Everything changed. This week, as we talk about what Jesus means when he says to follow him and what he demonstrates in the path that he leads them down, I want us to consider uh, three questions. What prepared them to respond? Why was their response so radical? And where was Jesus leading them? Because isn't that what it means to follow someone? That you're being led by them. You take their lead. So let's look at the text carefully, and it's worth noting 
that the part of the awkwardness of going from verse 11 to verse 12 comes from the simple fact that we as the reader aren't immediately aware of a time jump that's taken place. It's nearly a year has passed. Matthew, he kind of passes over a variety of things in the earlier work of Jesus' ministry in Judea and Galilee that could have been included. And we know about those things taking place if we look at the Gospel of John. Essentially, in the first four chapters, we see the things that take place in the first year of Jesus' ministry. Things like him talking to Nicodemus, water into wine, encountering a woman from Samaria on his way north. Those things took place in his first year. Matthew doesn't actually talk about those in detail. Instead, jumps from the temptation in the wilderness all the way to the beginning of the second year. Matthew holds that year one for Jesus was one of obscurity. Year two is one of popularity, and year three is one of rejection. And it's at this point in year two that we find ourselves So it's a big time jump. And in verse 12, we get this news that John the Baptist, the one that we talked about in in, uh, chapter 3, has been imprisoned. And the response that it says Jesus has is that he goes and he withdrew to Galilee. Now, I don't want to think that that he, he fled or he was hiding because, in fact, he goes to Galilee and he does the opposite of hiding. He says, I'm here, my ministry has started, and he begins to proclaim the good news. Matthew's really clear about this, that part of Jesus' response is actually continuing the ministry of John. The news of John's captivity would have been really big news at the time. And Matthew stresses that Jesus doesn't, doesn't just go and start talking, but he continues the ministry of John. John preached repentance. Jesus sp- spoke a message of repent. John went into the, the, the cities and went to the people, and Jesus went to the cities and to the people. There's a continuity to Jesus' work from where he had come from. Now, he's in Galilee. And whenever we read ancient texts, I think it's really important that we need to enter the story first. Because consider this, just like we are people who are formed by places we live, relationships we have, and the culture we're surrounded by, so were the people of Galilee, so were the fishermen. They were formed by these things. Those fishermen who were responding were not isolated figures that were suddenly dropping everything to run, but they were real people experiencing real life. Because here's the thing, Galilee had its own flavor to it. Galilee was not Jerusalem, and this is actually part of what prepared them to respond. Early in Jesus' ministry, it was clear that he wasn't going to be welcome in Nazareth. So what he actually does is he makes a decisive break from there, and he comes to live and work in the city of Capernaum and in the area of the Sea of Galilee. Scholars actually think that he was based out of Peter's house in Capernaum. And so you have this charming little freshwater community. Uh, It's situated about 200 meters below sea level, about 22 kilometers long, about 11 kilometers wide at its widest point. And clustered around its edges are about 9 to 10 bustling townships with Capernaum at the northernmost point. And, And the province of Galilee wasn't large, but it was densely populated because the land was fertile. Now, why does any of this matter? Because Jesus, when he returns to Galilee where he would begin his work, is in the most densely populated area that he probably could have found in the Middle East. 
that is meaningful because of the people around him, but it's even so more so meaningful that climate that he was entering. Because Galilee, had, like I said, had its own flavor to it. It was known to be a little volatile. It was a region that was open to change, one commentary says. Josephus, who was a governor of that region at one time, he says that they were a people naturally disposed to change. They were tough and courageous, and it was a perfect place for the seeds of the gospel to be planted. And they were despised, actually, by their neighbors to the south. This is where you would find Jerusalem. And what it actually ended up doing is for the people of Galilee, it created an identity within them. They were not nearly as closed off as their neighbors to the south. And this area that Jesus was withdrawing to would be the center of his ministry. Can you imagine this with me? That Jesus has entered the region and, and word is spreading of this man and he's healing the sick and he's continuing the message of John and he's, he's declaring for the people to repent and he's coming to a synagogue near you. The people of Galilee hear of this teacher coming and they, they, they flock to him. They want to check him out and the fishermen that would end up responding were most likely very aware of the message being preached. This wasn't in isolation. He was declaring repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand and the people of Galilee were very aware of that message. Those fishermen were, were prepared to respond because they were primed for change. And this is an encouragement for some of you this morning that sometimes we go through seasons of our life where we're in places and doing different things that we believe is wasted. We don't see the value, we don't see the priority, we don't see the purpose. But here's the beauty in the kingdom of God, that all things are worked for good. So even the place where those fishermen were planted mattered in the response that they gave when Jesus says, come follow me. They were a people primed for change. And for us, hearing the invitation to come follow me, we need to see the beauty of a heart prepared to change. If you're making a decision to follow someone else, you are also making a decision to not follow your own way. Therefore, an appetite for change is a key ingredient in a disciple that chooses to follow. You can't start following another person until you're open to change. Uh, recently, for the first time in my life, I started to watch The Office. For some of you, that's sacrilegious. You're like, I'm on my 14th time going through it. And it's a big deal for people. And even for a long time, it felt like everybody was telling me, I need to watch it. I need, you need to watch it. I only started watching it because they're short episodes and we have a baby. It made perfect sense. So we started to pick a, a show and we started to watch The Office. And you get confronted with this boss, Michael. And he is an odd individual. Uh, he's very cringy. And I, it's not really my type of humor most times. But you, he, he grows on you. And then suddenly, Idris Elba shows up in this show. I don't know if you've, you, you know who I'm talking about, but it's a very very good-looking black man, and he's, he's wonderful in this show, and he shows up, and he's this new boss that comes on the scene, and the people that are in the office are expected to, to fall into line and to follow his lead, and he actually does things better. He's more organized. He's a, he's a better leader, but yet they can't seem to follow him because they're still hooked on Michael. Might be a little bit of a, a, a silly analogy, but 
You can't follow something new if you're not willing to change from where you currently are. Sometimes we believe that we can just split our attention. We're like, oh, that's good, and that's still good, and we just split it. It's not the way that Jesus is actually making the invitation. Because he wants to change everything, not just simply be an addition. Before the second century, Galilee was in pagan hands. It was run over by the Assyrians. And it stood on one of the most important trade routes in Egypt. And in the eyes of the Jews in Jerusalem, they were, they were past all hope. It was a people to be looked down upon. But there's a commentary on Matthew from an individual named Michael Green. And he notes that it's interesting how Jesus opens his preaching in the region. He quotes Isaiah verse nine, uh, chapter 9. So I'm just going to read this, verse 15. Land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people living in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of the shadow of death. A light has dawned. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. They may have been living in the shadow of moral and spiritual death, but on those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. This was a second way in which they were prepared. The place prepared them. The people prepared them. But most importantly, a person came to do the real preparation. That was in Jesus. That is to say, they were prepared because God made a way for them to respond. God met them where they were. Hear me when I say this. It's a normal practice in the kingdom of God and in the character of God that the outsider, the rejected, the unseen, and the forgotten is the place that Jesus goes. I want you to receive that truth for you today. Jesus loves to go to the most unlikely places for the most unlikely people because he is doing and has done a thing unlike any other. Jesus prepares the way even when we have not chosen it, he prepares it for us to respond when he says, come follow me. We're also asking the question this morning, what makes their response so radical? And I want you to consider for, for this moment that Jesus, he calls these fishermen. And I want you to put yourselves in their shoes. It was a dramatic proposition. It would have likely come at a cost to them financially. They were heavily taxed by the Roman government at the time. But as fishermen, they probably had some steady income, something that was uh, able to provide for them and their family at the time. And it would have been highly questioned for them to just drop everything and to go on this journey. These, these were not learned men in, in the region. They would have not been considered adequate or sufficient to follow a teacher that was getting this type of attention that Jesus was at the time. And within the Eastern culture, it would have been highly problematic for them to leave their father. Suddenly, a family is dispersed. A family, family business is broken up. And they have made that choice. So there was a ton of cost at the time, and they really had no future guarantee. Sure, Jesus was com communicating that the kingdom of heaven is at hand, that I will make you fishers of men. Jesus was making these, these statements and these promises for them, but there was no guarantee of a future like they were seeing a fish come into the boat on a Tuesday afternoon. There, wasn't, there was no tangible guarantee there was no guarantee of, of financial security when following Jesus, like a family business might provide. 
think about how the word follow is used in our, our modern culture even. When you follow someone on social media, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, uh, I remember joking with a friend when, they, they, when social media started to become more prominent and they, they sent me a message saying, this follow better be worth my while. <laughs> it wasn't, I'm awful on social media. But th there, there was this expectation that came with a follow. And there always seems to be, in our culture, this incredible incentive that is placed before us in order for us to follow something. Money, a discount, maybe some kind of prize or, or winnings that you would be given if you followed them. And here's what's interesting. There is an incentive that Jesus provides that I will make you fishers of men, but the directionality of that incentive speaks of the kingdom that he's actually inviting them to participate in. Notice this, that so many of those incentives, where do they point? They point inward. They're meant to appease our own selfish desires. But Jesus says, I will make you fishers of men. That is to say, Jesus is declaring to them that the benefits of the kingdom are for the other. I will incentivize your heart actually by transforming it. No longer will you be about serving yourself, but it will be about serving others and likely at a cost to yourself. This was a radical decision that they were making. Not only was it the cost of their family and of their, of their guarantee of their livelihood, but this would have been a cost of what they considered to be normal. That not that how we always operate, that we feel like we should do things that are incentivized for us, benefiting us. To follow Jesus was and is a radical decision, and sometimes we are guilty of taking the radical out of the decision because we have not given ourselves fully to it. It's just a decision because it fits into my way of life. It's set already. It's just a decision because I feel comfortable with it. It's just a decision because I think it will help improve some different areas of my life. A decision to follow Jesus that is not radical is not a decision to follow him at all. It's a decision to follow a sanitized version of him because Jesus wants and desires to change everything for the better. Because where is Jesus actually leading them? Notice his message all the way through the region. A message that the fishermen likely would have heard at some point. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Turn around and see that work that I'm doing in the world around you. When they follow Jesus, this isn't random. They've heard the words that he was speaking and he wasn't subtle about it. This message of repentance of the kingdom being at hand, it was powerful and it was moving people to change. And if you're following someone, they're leading you somewhere. And Jesus was leading them somewhere in particular. He says, I will make you fishers of men. He reframes the work that they were doing according to the place that he was leading them. And he's saying, I want you to participate in the kingdom that I'm establishing here on earth. But here's the thing, what is the kingdom of God? It can be a, a very mystical idea, I think, to some degree. And we're going to talk about it more in depth next week, but it's important to understand that it is the story of God reclaiming 
his world in Jesus and forming a people who are going to live under the reign of a new king. We live in a society where we are kings of our own castles in the literal sense of our homes, but also in our values, in our structures, in the way that we do things. And we establish our kingdoms in our thoughts, in our minds by which we operate. And those little kingdoms that we're choosing to actually follow have thrones in them that we sit upon. We have a manner in which we are the ultimate in our own kingdoms. And a kingdom needs a king. We sit on that throne. But Jesus is trying to subvert this tendency. And he's saying, what would it look like if I sat on the throne? And he doesn't just say that in his declaration. Because what we're going to discover as we continue through the Gospel of Matthew, in chapters 5 through 7, Jesus is bringing the kingdom of being into the world around him in, in word. And he declares the Sermon on the Mount. And it's the good news of the kingdom come to us. And then in chapters 8 and 9, he shows indeed what the kingdom looks like. He, he is in word and deed presenting the kingdom of heaven to the people that he's calling to repent. And he's saying, this is a new way. This is a better way. This is my way. Come follow me. Because everything has changed. Jesus was calling them to a new way of being human. And he's here to call us to a new way of being human. He's here to expose our, our little kingdoms, our pettiness and our pride. And he's forming a new group of people who will lay down their kingdoms and just follow him. It is a radical call that he's giving to us. He says, I will make you fishers of men. And you and I, as a community of Jesus followers, are being given that same opportunity to respond and hear the call of Jesus as those fishermen at the Sea of Galilee. We've heard the message. We've been impacted by the place that we're in. And now when we hear the call, what is the response of our hearts? Are we open to change? Do we see the opportunity placed before us? Do we hear that call as something that's actually given to you and to I? Maybe you aren't a fisherman. I sure am not. Never caught a fish in my life. Never gone fishing. So I definitely can't catch a fish if I haven't gone fishing. But the reason why these stories in the gospel are there in the first place is so that they would confront us in the midst of our life activities, our families. And Jesus, he just wants to interrupt where you are in the moment and present this invitation. Hey, come follow me. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. I want you to participate in it and experience the fullness of it. I don't think you realize how I want to be at the center of your life not just the periphery. This is the way in which we've been designed, in fact, to flourish. And for some of us in the room, this proposition is massive life change. It, it, would, it would change everything. For some of us, it would mean smaller tweaks. For others, it would mean a deep work inside of ourselves about our motivations and what's actually leading us forward. So when we ask the questions, what prepared them to respond? Well, they were 
prepared for that invitation by the lives that they lived, the place that they called home, the words that they heard, and they were preparing their hearts to respond to that invitation because nothing was at waste. Nothing in your life is wasted. Because God is a good God who works all things for good and wants to use all that we've experienced so that we might come to discover Him. He does not make it hard for you to discover Him. He wants to meet you where you're at. So He comes to the workplace of the fishermen to call them into the kingdom. And why was their response so radical? Well, the incentive of the invitation was for the benefit of others instead of themselves. It was going to cost them everything. And the question is, is that a decision that we are actually making when we say, I'm going to follow Jesus? Are we saying, I'm going to give everything? And where was Jesus leading them? To a completely new way of life. To a new way of being human. To participate in his kingdom. I think this story at this lakeside is a powerful image and model for us. It's a, it's a radical mark in the sand that the mindset of a disciple is someone who is enamored with Jesus. And the first step of following Jesus is not to adhere to a set of rules and restrictions. It is to be enamored with Jesus. It's to be captivated by a person. It's to be in relationship. To follow it's to be led, it's to hear, it's to listen. And then we're not meant to take a casual step to eternal ease as we can sometimes treat our faith. But it was an intentional one embracing the call. And this is the call to stop building my kingdom and start participating in his. God does not want his people to be passive believers, but active disciples. And so he's calling us, he's calling you, and he's saying, follow me. What would your life look like if you responded to that call? Maybe you're here this morning and you would say, I, I'm a Christian, I'm a follower of Jesus. My, my question for you is, have you truly given everything in response to that call, come follow me? Have you given him your workplace, your, your family life, your, your, your hearts and your motivations? Or do you hold things separately that you feel like I'm not ready to give that just yet? The beauty of the grace of Jesus is that he does not move away from us when we keep things from him, but he's there and he's present and he's asking you this morning, when I'm calling you to follow me, I want to be a part of everything because the best things that are in front of you are with me. He wants to be at the center of your life, a part of every little detail. And sometimes that, that feels like a, a massive task to take upon. But it could be a little step this morning. To hear that call, come follow me. And to respond with a simple yes. And then maybe later today, you, you take a moment of prayer. Tomorrow, you, you, you decide to set aside some time to actually get to know this one that wants, this, this person that wants to know you. If, if you've been here any length of time, uh, one of the stories that often gets told is how we started on our 
church journey back in 2015, India, pepper trees, I'll, I'll tell the story in fullness another time, but when I think back to our, our very first Sunday and, and the journey up to that point, I think it's really easy to think about these big moments that mark our faith, that mark what it means to follow Jesus. But when I think about that first Sunday, I think about all of the decisions that were made up to it. A, a group of people that had come around this idea of what kind of church we could be, and they, they began to make invitations to cook meals for one another, to invite each other into their homes, to, to serve in, in cleanups and in serving food, and, and their lives began daily representations of the kingdom that was at hand. Sometimes when we hear a story like the disciples responding at the seashore, dropping everything and then going to follow Jesus, we feel like, I, just, I can't drop everything right now. Like, I can barely hold on to what I want to hold on to. The call to follow Jesus is just one of a faithful step each and every day. What's the little step that you could take today that would lead you into tomorrow? What's the little step that you could commit yourself towards? So when you say, I'm going to follow Jesus, you're starting to give more and more of yourself so that he truly is at the center of everything. The beauty of the call of Jesus is that everything that he has for you is ready and available. And he just wants us to say yes. He just wants us to receive. Following Jesus might feel like a long ways away, but we believe that he is a God who is active and he's present and he's near to us. And he just wants us to respond with a yes. And maybe that's a little step today or a big step tomorrow, but he's there for every bit of it. Worship team, could you join me at the front? And let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for how you have led us through stormy seasons and your faithfulness remains true. We are grateful that you would make that invitation to us. Come Wherever we might find ourselves this morning, I just pray that we might hear that, that call, that invitation. And we would consider it. That we would feel your nearness and the love that you freely give to us. And we would become captivated, enamored by you. And that you would lead us in this next season. That when we, when we say we're going to follow you, we can trust that you will lead us and you will lead the way into participating in the kingdom that you desire for this earth. Make us more like you. Draw us into your image. Thank you for every person that's in this place. And wherever they find themselves this morning, I just pray you meet them where they're at. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you.
Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope it encouraged and blessed you in your walk with our Lord Jesus Christ. To keep up with City Collective, make sure to check us out on Instagram and Facebook at City Collective Church. Have a great week.